This podcast is produced by the Human Rights Media Center to mark World Refugee Day 2022. The day is observed on 20 June every year since 2001. UNHCR, the United Nations Refugee Agency, has asylum seekers and refugees among its people of concern. UNHCR's spokesperson, Ms. Laura Padawan, speaks about the significance of World Refugee Day. World Refugee Day is a day to honour the courage, strength and contributions of millions of people around the world who've been forced to flee their homes um, and that could be due to violence, war or persecution. It's a day to remember that with help from welcoming communities and neighbours, people can rebuild their lives. According to the recent 2021 UNHCR's Global Trends report, we have reached a breaking record of 100 million people forced to flee their homes to seek safety in another country. 2021 was marked by new conflicts and a flare-up in existing conflicts. This was before Russia invaded Ukraine. And now Ukraine is one of the largest and the fastest forced displacement crises since World War II. The number of countries affected by conflict has doubled in the last decade. If this pace continues, the 21st century could tragically be defined by the growing number of people forced to flee. Far more must be done to provide solutions, to resolve the conflicts, end the persecution and address the root causes that force innocent people to flee. World Refugee Day 2022 focuses on the right to seek asylum. Everyone has the right to seek asylum or to seek protection from violence or persecution in a country other than their own, and that is non-negotiable. It's important to note that countries must not block access to those seeking refuge. We have seen that when countries restrict access to their borders in the name of public health or anything else, uh, that's when people are often forced to make more difficult or dangerous journeys to seek safety. And no one must ever be forced back to the country where their life or their freedom would be at risk. Refugee rights are outlined in the 1951 UN Refugee Convention and its 1967 Protocol and in the 1969 OAU Refugee Convention. South Africa has signed both conventions and further committed to refugee protection by adopting the 1998 Refugees Act. Ms. Fatima Chohan, Deputy Chairperson of the South African Human Rights Commission and former Deputy Minister of the Department of Home Affairs from 2009 to 2018, tells us more about the South African refugee policy. Unlike many other countries that put severe restrictions on refugees, the South African government has signed the refugee conventions without any reservations. This includes no reservation on the freedom of movement of asylum seekers and refugees. In this regard, it is one of the only countries that allows asylum seekers and refugees the ability to move around freely within the country. Asylum seekers and refugees can choose to live and work anywhere in the country. There are no camps or designated places for such persons. The Human Rights-Centered South African Refugees Act, intending to integrate asylum seekers and refugees into local communities, didn't come with an integration policy. Decisions regarding asylum claims can take years, even decades, 
which violates legal and socio-economic rights of those concerned. This is what Sharif Habimana and Alfo Kalubi have experienced in South Africa. I've been staying in South Africa for 13 years. I've been staying in Pretoria since I was six and then from eight years I've been in Cape Town studying. From all the 13 years I've been staying in South Africa, I'm still an asylum seeker. I can see I don't have documents because I'm just using that uh, asylum seeker for six months. Before it was three months, now it's six months. And at this time of lockdown, it just give us uh, one year. When the government say we welcome to the, mm. the refuge, when you welcome someone to your house, how are you going to treat him? You don't give her the food? You don't give her the paper? Because to have the paper, that is the identity for someone. I don't have identity to South Africa. Since 2008 until now, how I can live, how I can survive. Ms. Johan explains why South Africa did not prioritize a refugee integration policy. Protection of those who are in need of immediate assistance upon arrival in the country remains a challenge in South Africa. As the state was concerned with affording extensive socioeconomic rights to its citizenry um, as the country moved into a transitional phase. Newly arrived people in particular are in need of immediate basic needs assistance as illustrated by the Wachenuka case. Mrs. Wachenuka arrived in the country with her four young children. They were in need of immediate shelter, food and basic necessities. She and her children ended up sleeping on the streets. An NGO took up her plight and took her matter to court. After many, many years through the court system, the courts ruled that asylum seekers should be afforded the right to work in order to fend for themselves and their families while they were awaiting the outcome of their asylum applications. But this did not really help people like Mrs. Wachinuka at all. Such individuals are in need of social assistance, shelter, childcare, and even education, particularly language training and skills. And therefore, um, they, they will not be able to integrate or stand on their own two feet without such assistance uh, very early on uh, upon their arrival. Newly arrived people need more than the right to work. Over the years, there have been many NGOs and churches that have organically uh, began providing such shelters and assistance, particularly in the major cities such as Johannesburg. In recognition of this, the latest amendments to the Refugee Act uh, proposes a means test for first-time applicants uh, for asylum and those who are found to be in need of immediate basic aid are meant to be directed to shelters or safe houses. No doubt this mechanism will take some time to operationalize, but this is a good legislative development which could see the needs of the most vulnerable asylum seekers being addressed. Alongside the legal outcome of the Wachenuka case on asylum seekers' right to work was also the right to education. 
have attended a school, a primary school in um, Athlone named Sunnyside and then further on I went to high school in Rhodes which is in Mowbray and after matriculating I've studied at Weathing Code for a few months and then that is where I've stopped. I'm not working at the moment, I'm looking to study further yes, I want to gain more skills. At the moment financially I cannot study but I am looking to study further. COVID-19 added more challenges to the lives of asylum seekers in South Africa. Currently, there are barriers for asylum seekers trying to access protection here. Um, the refugee reception offices have been closed due to the pandemic, and there is unfortunately a large backlog of people who are waiting to have their cases resolved. UNHCR is working with the government to try to address the backlog so that asylum seekers can get status as quickly as possible. Closure of borders at the beginning of lockdown in March 2020 was a barrier to asylum seeking. Additionally, asylum seekers who arrived just before and during lockdown could not apply for asylum because refugee reception offices across South Africa were closed by the Department of Home Affairs. Online applications for asylum were only introduced in May 2022. During lockdown, xenophobia has shown again its ugly face. We've also seen extremely worrying incidents of violence and intimidation against foreign nationals in South Africa um, of late. And many refugees and asylum seekers uh, have also been targeted um, and have experienced uh, violence um, and harassment uh, and attacks. We're really worried about um, this wave of xenophobic violence. Perhaps we should clarify at the outset that xenophobia persists in South African society and manifests against all categories of foreign nationals, particularly those who originate from other countries on the African continent and not just asylum, uh, the asylum and refugee community. This is often referred to as Afrophobia, but I dare say that any foreign national living in the township situation and informal settlements around the country would be subject to hostility. Incidents of xenophobic violence have been recorded across the country every year since 1994. In 2021, Watch report notes that there have been at least 873 incidents of xenophobic violence in South Africa between 1994 and November 2021. At least 612 foreign nationals have been killed in the violence, with 122,000 persons displaced uh, and 6,000 spaza shops looted and destroyed. Of course, these incidents started gaining traction, intensity and visibility after the 2008 uh, violence but xenophobia has been a long-standing feature of the post-apartheid South Africa. There requires a learning, an intervention that has largely been ignored by the state, which has never really prioritized safety and security. In Cape Town, recently I'm staying now in Delft, Blakisdorp, very dangerous area. Your in Delft experience is very evil. 
they beat me and my mother up uh, for selling clothes when I was trying to get uh, transport money for school. And then afterwards also when I matriculated, going to college, bought me a phone, started to sort my life out. I got robbed, I got stabbed. Six guys jumped me, tried to stab me. Every time it's people trying to take something from you. It's not an easy life. And they don't treat us like human beings. We are urging the government to take action to ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice and, that, and also to prioritise the National Action Plan on racism and xenophobia. All that has been said shows that South Africa needs to do more to make asylum seekers and refugees welcome and safe. Even at locations or places, normal places, where the government should create venues or space where foreigners or immigrants or whoever can come together and have a day of like reconcile, like to reconcile, to talk together and understand where we all come from. Because I, I think it's communication that is lacking. The need for a refugee integration policy in South Africa has been emphasized. Integration goes both ways. Asylum seekers and refugees are making a concerted effort to learn local languages to aid integration. Staying in Cape Town, I've been speaking Afrikaans fluently. I can speak Afrikaans, I understand it. Now staying in a location Delft for this past few years, I've been learning a little bit of Isikosa, a little bit I'm learning. Learning also needs to influence the way we define ourselves. Sharif's mom is Congolese, his dad is Rwandese. Sharif came to South Africa as a small child and grew up here. He tells us how he identifies himself. Um, to be honest, I will identify myself as a human being. I wouldn't try to classify myself as anything else because for me that's tags that has been put by people. I like to see people as people. You're this type of person, this is you. South Africa's commitment to refugee protection needs an integration policy that ensures asylum seekers and refugees' legal and socio-economic rights are respected and their safety prioritized. This means speeding up administrative procedures relating to asylum claims and having measures to prevent and counter xenophobia among political leaders and in the communities. Education that promotes and appreciates diversity is needed and it requires combined efforts of all stakeholders including political leaders, the UNSCR, the South African Human Rights Commission and civil society. The Human Rights Media Center thanks UNSCR, the South African Human Rights Commission and the Human Rights Media Center team for contribution to this podcast. We also thank Rosa Luxemburg Foundation's support to our refugee rights program.